Welcome to yet another episode of Rewind Heroes. I am your co-host, Greg Compton. And I'm your other co-host, Dan Gaines. This is going to be your every now and then video podcast where we talk everything in movies, television, and everything that we find cool. So, the big thing is, we just finished up well, a couple weeks ago, The Mandalorian. I'm sure you guys have finished it too. <laughs> and there is so much to unpack. So I think the best way to handle it is two parts. Mm-hmm. So today, I think we're really going to cover... One, two, three, seven, and eight. Because to me, that is a f- complete story. Mm-hmm. Um, now, four does introduce Cara Dune. We'll be talking about her. It's kind of a vehicle to introduce her. But we'll kind of cover that in another one where we cover what I, I like to call the one-off episodes. You know, And then we can talk about the future of the franchise as far as we see it. Um, but let's get started. So Mandalorian, it came out. It's been a huge hit. <laughs> it has been the thing that has really been driving Disney+. And I think that was their whole plan. What is your thought? This is the first live-action Star Wars show. So just the feel of it, the production value, what do you think? Yeah, so, I mean, that was the thing, right? I mean, we all wanted to know, what does a live-action Star Wars show look like? And I think that we all agreed that Favreau and Filoni behind the camera, we were excited to see what the potential was. Um, And I got to say, I mean, from the get-go, the the tone, the way they use practical effects, you could feel the, the, the world felt lived in. Um, Mm -hmm. Just from a look and feel and a vibe, I felt like I was back in the time period of the Rebellion and the Empire. I I think they captured that. And I was all in from the get-go. And I I loved, even that first shot we ever got of the Mandalorian, I was already getting the tingle, I'm not going to lie. But to see that in live action unfold, I was like, this is going to be an experience unlike any other. Having this every week in your living room. Yeah, I thought it was done so well. And, you know, it's funny. When you see the prequels, Mm -hmm. people said it was too clean and it didn't feel Star Wars. And there's something to that because there's a grittiness to the show. I mean, it's five years past Jedi. And so it has that lived-in world that George Lucas used to talk about. It truly feels like it. I would say the only thing that's taken me out of it, and it's not every time they do it, but occasionally when you get space scenes, it either feels like it's shot in the prequel way, Hmm. or the one that is the most jarring to me is actually the one where, and it's not in one of these episodes, but it's the one where he uh, kind of fires back and the guy overshoots and he fires on him. It just had a bit of a Star Trek TV quality to it. I I don't know what that was, but that's the only time I've seen it. I mean, other than that, you know, the other, some of the one-offs, some of the space stuff there looked great. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it might have just been a particular scene, maybe a particular director. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, it feels like Star Wars. It looks like Star Wars. Um, now I mentioned it's very much a lived-in world. Um, we are five years outside of, of Jedi. They're rebuilding um, everything. I mean, the, you know, just you, you topple the Empire does not mean a new government is in place, a new republic, immediately. So what was your thought just on seeing this time period, seeing warlords, for lack of a better term. Yeah, well, great question, because, I mean, that was the thing, too, is we we knew the time period, because they they didn't hide behind that as far as when it was going to actually take place, Mm -hmm. and we knew where we were eventually getting. We know the First Order's out there. We know it's risen from the ashes of the Empire, so that was one of the things I was curious about is, well, what does that look like? I mean, I love the fact that it really did feel like the galaxy's kind of the Wild West, which is exactly what they're going for. Oh, yeah. This Western vibe of who's ruling who, mm-hmm. who's good, who's not. I mean, you get that even with Mando. Yeah. He's got kind of this moral compass, but then he will blast anybody at any given time. Exactly. So I loved seeing the Empire like that. I mean, when, when those doors open, you're like, oh, 
this is the client. This is who he's working for. Right. And to kind of see a totally different side of the empire that we've never seen. Star Wars bounty law. <laughs> exactly. Now, uh, but yeah, I mean, there is a truth. I mean, the stormtroopers worn armor, disheveled. That is anti-empire, right? <laughs> Everything is clean. It's 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 uh, scrubbed away. Everything is, you know, uh, antiseptic. Whatever you want to call <laughs> the empire look. I mean, it always has been. Yeah. And these guys, they looked. Stormtroopers almost looked emaciated, you know, even the way they moved. Um, you can tell that uh, the client, for lack of a better term, I don't think they've given Warner Herzog I don't Herzog think they've named which is really yeah. interesting to and me. He's an amazing guy. If no one has really looked into him, I mean, he's a German director. He's <laughs> very famous in his own right without acting. Um, which also, well, I'll come back to that. Okay. Something, something about him, a suggestion <laughs> that he made that I think made the entire I show. Think you I know what I'm talking about? Okay. Yes. So, um, we'll get to that. So, we've introduced the character, the Mandalorian. We, don't, we finally get his name, mm-hmm. but that's not until the very end. So, we know very little about him, except for he's a foundling. So, that means not born on Mandalore, as best we could tell, or not brought up in a tribe. Um, what are your thoughts on this character? I mean, it's the first time we've really seen, on live action... A Mandalorian. <laughs> well, like I kind of hinted at earlier, the, the look and feel, I don't think there was a Star Wars fan alive that wasn't on board. Right. That first shot we had of him with his silver armor. I mean, just yeah. phenomenal. Um, when you hear, I'll never forget it, because I never sat down to watch a live-action Star Wars. I'll mm-hmm. never forget November 12th, what's all the delays and all that good stuff at Disney+. Plus. But when you yeah. heard the, the beeping of his tracker. Yeah. And then the, the show starts, and he's walking through the snow, and those doors open. You get a real good sense of, this guy's not messing around. He's not right. taking crap off anybody. Mm. And I loved how brutal he was in the beginning. I mean, oh, yeah. if there's somebody that's messing with him, he's he's not wasting his time. He, right. I mean, I love what was the line, I, I can take you out warm or cold. Or uh, something I can take you lines. alive, or I can take you... Yeah, I, I don't I don't remember the exact line, but it was awesome. Yeah. I mean, it set the tone for me. Oh, yeah. Um, but I love this character because what's, what's becoming very apparent, I know we're going to get more into this, is there's a ton of layers to this guy. Yes. He comes from a very unknown past. I, I don't think we're mm-hmm. even intentionally, we intentionally don't know much about him yet. Right. Um, but you can just tell that he has very strong beliefs in what he's doing, but he also does have that moral compass of guiding him along the way to make decisions that I didn't think we were going to go in the beginning, yeah. and that, my friend, I guess, is called character development. <laughs> but they are doing a really good job with yeah. you relating to this character. I agree. I mean, there's a layered character because he is not a born Mandalorian. Yes. There's this question of his past, and how much are those first few years of him that molded him and his parents, and, and who are they? Is there any significance to it? Um, maybe not. I mean, where, where he was he was picked up. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a bit to this character where... Would a typical Mandalorian, would he have broken a guild code or not? You just, there's layers to this guy. I mean, it's just, <laughs> he's adopted this culture. He's taken, I mean, he's taken on seriously enough to be willing to die for the way. Which, by the way, they have the best <laughs> quotes in this show. Oh, this my is gosh. the most quotable Star Kidding. Wars. This is the way I have spoken. Yes. Every character that I've seen, pretty much that brought in, has been phenomenal. I will say his first prey drove me crazy. The blue fish guy. I 100% guy, agree with you. And I started was, to get uh, worried. <laughs> Horatio Sands that played that yeah, character. And yeah. it, that, honestly, at the beginning, I was kind of like, this doesn't feel like Star Wars. Right. And it feels like TV. Yeah. But thank mm-hmm. goodness he didn't last long. 
No. And, I mean, that he served his purpose. But I agree. I got a little nervous at that it's, point. Yeah. Because that was one of the first introductions to this show. There's been a few characters like that it, that played in that way. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, every main character has been solid. Uh, we meet mm-hmm. Quill very early on. Nick Nolte <laughs> is a nug knot. Because that's just obvious. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I can, be, I can imagine being in that casting room. Like, well, it's yeah. Nick Nolte, of course. But it is perfect. That character is phenomenal. And then bringing in that they were somewhat enslaved and he had to work off debts and, and free himself. I, I mean, they're giving a character like that a massive backstory. I want more of that. I, I, I was, yes. And again, this is a spoiler, Phil. We, we're not oh, hiding yeah. behind anything. I mean, when he... N- Krill is one of my favorite, not just characters in this show, I think he would, and I know this is a bold statement, but one of my favorite Star Wars characters mm-hmm. ever. I yeah. love everything about him. He, you know, captivated in every scene he was in. You wanted more of him. He's the mentor. I mean, we don't have an Obi-Wan in this. We do not have a Yoda in this. Mm-hmm. Kind of, maybe. <laughs> but in the sense, you know what I mean. Um, yeah, he is the mentor. He is that old wizened sage that has the words of advice, speaks little, but what he says means volumes. So I love that character. He kind of helps set a path, I think, for the Mandalorian, helps him course correct a little Mm -hmm. bit. Um, You know, IG-11, I think, steals it at the end. It's a bit of humor. Uh, It's a great character. I mean, I didn't see that there would be much room for massive development throughout with him. So what they did with him, I think, at the end, the sacrifice was... Yeah, I I mean, I I loved him. I loved, A, just in the first episode, seeing... An IG droid. Again, a lot of this yeah. is seeing these characters come to life, but the way he moved, the lines yes. that he had. And when we thought he was gone, I don't think any of us really thought, no. but to get him back. I mean, so yeah. I, I think he served his purpose. Well, and the movement was perfect because you see an empire, a lineup of bounty hunters, and you look at this stilted robot thinking, what does this thing really do? It didn't make a lot of sense. I mean, and I had the figure. I had the action figure from like 83 or 84. I don't know when I actually got the figure. I always, even as a kid, I'm like, what is this guy? I mean, now those figures didn't move arms. They just did that anyway. But the fact he's spinning around and just the amount of fluidity with that character totally changes your whole perception on that kind Mm -hmm. of droid and what they can be. Yep. So that was, he was phenomenal. Um, It's, it's, okay, we'll get into other characters. I think the big thing we need to talk about, though, is that reveal at the end of episode one. Just taking America's Hearts by Storm. And the Not Europe, because they don't have Disney Plus yet. Uh, but, yeah, um, the reveal of that and the fact that that could be kept secret. And the fact that they opted to, with Go, getting a lot of, um, a lot of profit from merchandise at Christmas. Because, they, in my opinion, to keep it secret is they couldn't hand out molds or anything else to be developed by Hasbro. Well, I think Favreau even said that. I think he, he in an interview that? said... They purposely, because so many toy leaks come out, yeah. they didn't want anybody to know. Yeah. So when you first saw that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that, that was the holy crap, what is getting ready to happen in this show? Because yes. I've always said what was promoted and the show we got were completely different things. In a good way. Yeah. I don't think the show that we were getting in ads and through Disney Plus looks anything like the finished product. And I mean that in a great way, because they totally, you're right, kept the best secret how in today's world. I do not know. But when that egg opens, and you're like, wait, what? that's not, is that what, who is that? Yes. And then it just ends, and you see the the finger, and it's like, wait, 
No, I had to wait another week to find out more. Yes. And we've really not found much out. There's no. a lot to speculate. But I think that everybody in the Star Wars fandom united over Baby Yoda yeah. the child. Yeah, it's not the hero we deserve. It's the hero we need. Uh, the crazy thing, too, is what throws you is that whole 50-year-old target. <laughs> yeah. In the simple light of different species, age, and mature in different time mm -hmm. frames, mm -hmm. whatever that actual quote is. But... That completely blew my mind. And you know, what makes this work too is practical effects. And that's where I went back to uh, Werner Herzog, who plays the client, the, the imperial, ex-imperial warlord. You know, he was the guy, if no one had heard, that said, do not CG this thing. You need practical effects. You need a puppet. And I think it paid off splendidly. I don't think it would have had the same effect if this had all been CG. You believe that as a living creature. And yeah. in fact, I think Werner Herzog said, told Filoni and Favreau, don't be cowards. Oh, that was exactly the term. <laughs> yes, exactly. Make it a puppet. I know. And I just showed Greg before we went on they confirmed that puppet cost $5 million. Jeez. So it was no cheap risk mm -hmm. yeah. to make that character believable. But, I mean, it was kind of a gizmo-type feel. Exactly. And you fell in love with that character. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you couldn't. And every episode, they gave that character a moment that... I mean, it was just unbelievable. I mean, it was just seeing this little, whether it was him walking around or realizing he can already use the Force. I guess at 50 years old, he's probably been using it for a while. Mm -hmm. But it's one of the most mysterious characters, yes. yet a sense of familiarity and a character that I think everyone cannot wait to learn more about. That's true. And at the very least, learn their name. And, I mean, <laughs> well, and I'm waiting for Gizmo from Gremlins to actually appear as canon because I think that is Love Child, one of the Yoda species, in an Ewok. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. It definitely looks pretty close. I, I'm, I'm just saying. It. I'm just saying. And if you feed them after midnight, it turns into the little Kwakian um, uh, space monkey or whatever. That, that <laughs> yeah, there you go. Jonas. It's just so, going to blend all worlds. There we go. Circle, full circle. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we mentioned Herzog, you played the ex-Imperial, mm -hmm. we've mentioned some of these characters. Um, what was your thought on Big Bad uh, oh, uh, Moff Gideon? Moff Gideon, yes. I, again, I feel like they did a phenomenal job of really developing the key characters. You're yeah. right, there were a lot of one-off characters in episodes that it just kind of felt like that, like, mm -hmm. oh, we need to develop another story, yeah. and those characters were... Yeah, I mean, I, I, they didn't yeah. resonate. But I think I, we will see a return of some of them, and we'll talk about I that. I agree, too. I agree. Yeah. But Moff Gideon, I mean, you talk about a presence being felt from the moment exactly. he's on screen. Mm -hmm. And there's a pretty cool way they closed it, which I'm guessing we're going to get into that. But yeah. I love just the way, obviously, this character knows a lot about our heroes. Mm -hmm. He knows Mando's name. He's giving bios on everybody in the room when they're invading. Yeah. So this guy... Who, what, showed up in the last two episodes, mm -hmm. we're only scratching the surface probably what's going to be set up in season two with, well, with him. And he was stationed in Mandalore, right? Right. So, yes. which, of course, the blade, which I'm sure is what you're going to talk about, yes. the dark blade, I mean, to see that in live action was insane. <laughs> it almost felt a little, I, I need to see more of it uh -huh. because it, it felt cartoonish in a way, but mm. that's... Oh, man, I can't agree with you I need to that. watch that episode a few more times. It, it looked great, but it was just so jarring, I think, when you're just used to... Just because you haven't seen that kind it, of blade. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's, that's fair. the kick. That's fair. Um, but, yeah, what is his connection to Mandalore? There's going to be a lot here. And, you know, there's talk of a purge, a purge. I always think the Jedi purge. Uh-huh. Now, I know the huh. Jedi and Mandalorians butt up heads, so you start to wonder, was there, like, a second purge Mandalorian 
Only Purge. I mean, I need to go back to some of the animated shows. I've seen them, but it's been a while. I didn't rewatch. I'm not an expert on it. Yeah. But I, I wonder, there's got to be something there. Because you have all these underground Mandalorians, which oh. we didn't even get into that. And I'm sorry, we're not trying to just throw it all out there. There's a lot we could, to cover. Honestly, Greg and I talked about it. We literally, and thought about it, could have done almost an episode per, or, or, an episode of our show on each chapter of yes. The Mandalorian. There's so much in any given episode. Right. We wanted to take the time to kind of give our overall thoughts on all the big parts yeah, of this. Yeah, because my thought is one, two, three, seven, eight could almost be their own film. So, and we're trying not to jump around, but it is really hard not to. Because uh, you start thinking of things like, wow, I forgot to mention Cara Dune so far. We haven't gotten to her. Um, you know, she's introduced in one of the episodes that we will talk about next. But then she comes back here near the end. So your thoughts on that character, Giacrana? I mean, she was what, MMA fighter or some mm-hmm. kind of martial artist? Uh, and really hadn't done a lot of roles with speaking parts. So right. I think there was a lot of hesitation with her casting. It's like... Yeah. Is she just going to play a badass that doesn't right. really need to do much? But, no, overall, I thought that I, I liked the character. I thought that she was very surprising. I thought she yeah. did a really good job with delivery. I believe that she was an ex-shock trooper. And yeah. I love the, the dialogue with her and, and Mando in the bar just kind of giving her background mm-hmm. and just a really good you know, discussion. I thought it did right. a good job of setting her up. And I want more of her. And I think that's I think really so the theme with this whole season. Yeah. They did a great job of telling a story. But more importantly, they did a great job of really making us want more of each character that we were introduced to. The, the key yeah. characters, I think they've done a phenomenal job, and Cara Dune's no, no less than that. They've given them enough to let you know that there is true backstory, and you want to see it. And have you seen, again, I'm going with cinematic and live action, we've not really seen a lot of re- like Rebel Shock Trooper. She's hardcore. <laughs> I mean, you've never really seen, uh-uh. you know, you got people standing in the doorway of the blockade runners, you know, with guns and the big eggheads, you know, and you've got, like, the, the soldiers in, in uh, Endor. No one is as hardcore as this. I mean, this is, this is like, well, yeah, I mean, it's clone trooper hardcore fighting is what you're seeing, mm-hmm. um, but without a helmet. You know, there's just something about that character, but yet there's this soft side with, with the child, um, and whatever affection she has, I'm not saying romantic affection, but whatever she feels like toward Mando's creed, way of life, whatever you want to say it is, or his devotion to this, the child. Um, but she's a great character, so yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Um, gosh, what else do we have? There's so much. <laughs> There's so much. Oh, this is a big one. We kind of mentioned it before in our Rise of Skywalker, but the Force healing... Mm. I mean, that has been, it was hinted at multiple times in the show. It was brought in the day before Rise of Skywalker. But now this was all written ahead of time, so no one would really know whether or not the Baby Yoda would take off. You would assume it would. But if it hadn't, I mean, that was a, yeah, that that was a risk. a fail, yeah. Um, but all of a sudden, you've got a lot of critics of Last Jedi. You have a lot of critics in the new, new sequel trilogy. So you introduce, which... Isn't necessarily new in books or in what used to be canon, mm-hmm. uh, but the force healing. And all of a sudden you have a character everyone loves and gets behind, and they're doing it. They're showing it multiple times and then in a big way. And then you bring it on the big screen for Rise of Skywalker, just saying, hey, it's canon. It works. <laughs> you can't complain that Ray's doing it. <laughs> but they'll still complain. They'll still Let's complain. Be honest. But yeah. you're right. They, did it. they were very smart in the way that they, 
they took it in a show. And again, it was a risk yeah. on both fronts. Yeah. But because it worked, to your point, right. it was very smart then, or at least appeared to be very great, smart, that yeah. they then included that in the new film yeah. and connected the dots. Which, and not to get too far back, because we could do another one on Rise. I mean, honestly, we could do a whole mm-hmm. other episode on Rise. But, you know, I've since... Never go to the comment section. Never go to the comment section, but I did. And I've read some people that complained about that poor ceiling in the movie. I'm wondering, have some of them not seen that? Or maybe not in America and haven't gotten the Disney Plus to see the full extent of what they've done in The Mandalorian? Um, But some people say, how can a a Jedi that hasn't been fully trained have that? Well, Luke had unconventional training. Rey has had very unconventional training. She has books, manuals, getting what she can from... Everybody that she's gotten something from has been unconventionally trained. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this child, a different species, maybe very strong in the force like Yoda, no training as a child. We don't know what 50 years, I mean. But we don't know he hasn't had training. Uh, you, don't hear vo- you don't hear him talking. You assume he's a baby. He acts like a baby. There's so little we know about that 50-year uh, uh, maturity level or mm-hmm. when they hit a certain point. Um, yeah. Next question is the way. All of this, raise him up in the way until you find his people. I know. That's what I was going to say. Like, to kind of wrap it up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, looking ahead. I mean, that, that is yeah. exactly kind of the, obviously, fall of 2020. We're going mm-hmm. to get season two. And that was yeah. kind of the setup that we're getting right. at the end. He is, the child is a foundling. Yep. He's going to be with Mando. They are going to go seek Whatever this species is, I get yeah. the sense we're getting ready to learn a lot more about them. Right. What do we think about that? What's, about, how did you feel they did as far as just setting it up where we're going? I think they said very well. I think, first of all, I want to see a Mando helmet with the ears cut out for him. <laughs> I think we I've seen need some this. fan art out there that's looks really I know. Cool. We need this, people. We need this. <laughs> um, yeah. I, here's my one thing. I want to learn more about that species. That's where you push the story. I'm not convinced you're going to get a ton of it in season two. I think there's going to be continued. Now they know that Baby Yoda's a hit. Will we be given enough to continue that story but not complete that story because this could be a full through line for the whole series? And how much do we want to know about that species? I think that's, that, you're exactly right. That's the fine line. Yeah. And I kind of think that especially Filoni and Favreau recognize that. There's I agree. some kind of charm to... Look, there's, we were just talking about this before we got on air. There's a book and a dictionary and an encyclopedia for everything in Star Wars. Yeah. But there's something kind of charming about the fact that the one species and character we literally know nothing about is Yoda. Right. It's literally the species listed as unknown. And mm-hmm. they know that. They right. know that's a big deal. So part of me thinks that's going to be kind of the, the plot line that's going to be through there is, yes, their goal is to go find that planet and learn right. more. But maybe that's the whole point is they can't. Well, and I think Filoni is the only guy really allowed, I don't want to say allowed to do it because now, you know, Lucas sold this to Disney years ago. But at the time, I remember that was the thing is that was the untouchable species as far as history. But when you have a person that he, I think he has enough faith in Filoni, even though he doesn't call the shots anymore. I think, you know, there's a thing if you've taken the mantle like Filoni mm-hmm. has and, and, uh, and Favreau, you want to respect where it came from originally because before the buyout, he was working with, with Lucas. So I think there's going to be that respect of how, how much do I want yeah. to do. And Filoni's so kind of his right. Well. I mean, he was being basically brought up as he was his right-hand man. Yeah. So 
Filoni's never going to do anything, probably, without George Lucas in mind. Exactly. So, I mean, you're right. I think that's going to play into that big time. Yeah, I feel good about it. I think it's what we will get also next season. Seven or eight episodes, I don't know. You're going to get one-offs again. People might complain. To come back to a thought you had originally is this was not the show that was advertised? And honestly, what I think was advertised was a spaghetti western an old-time serialized show mm-hmm. adventure of the week. The minute we had a through line three episodes in, and then they went into four, five, and six as adventure of the week style stories, people complained. Those yeah. are the ones that are considered the weakest, from what I've heard. You mm-hmm. know, I think that's the general consensus. I would agree with that. That's, mean, that's what the show, that's what we were wanting originally. That's what we thought we wanted. And so I think that's going to be a part of the series. Always you're going to have those. And you're going to learn a little something. Um, And we'll get into all those later. But I think, you know, the one felt like, and I'll talk about next week, but um, when they introduced Cara Dune, that was important for that. It was important to show that that they were never going to stop looking for him with the baby. But at the same time, it felt like a MacGyver A-Team episode. Um, you know, and then you had the same thing in the, in the sixth one when you had uh, on the ship. I mean, that was very much a Dirty Dozen-style plot line. I think you're going to see those characters come back. Um, but I think that's the kind of show we were expecting. And all of a sudden, we, we are handed this great thing. We're like, now we just want to see this through. But I don't want it rushed. And I like it if those episodes can be a one-off and just give you a little hint. That gave you a bit of a hint of Mandalorian's backstory, people that he had been involved with. Right. And I'm okay with that. I think that's the thing this fandom needs to realize. Are you okay with that? TV has a different pacing than movies. And after those first three, you think people wanted cinematic pacing to this show. Because that's the only complaint I've ever heard. And that would be my complaint. This is probably where you and I look at it a little okay. different. It might be, yeah. Um, I, I think that... I would argue that we have been conditioned in a way in the world of streaming that shows now, when you watch it, you do think it's a through line throughout. That's, yeah. And I think that that's, that's where they never did tell us it was going to be episodic or a series that True. was one story. Yeah. It was more a lot of assumptions. Right. Same thing with the length of the episodes. A lot of people assumed, oh, there'll be hour-long episodes. No one ever said that. That's true. That's just more of the assumptions. Yeah. I'm more in, interested in the through line but I agree, there, there's room for that on TV. I actually right. think they're also still trying to fill out, what can we do with this? Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what, what angle do they take with season two. I, I think that it'll still have that blend. And mm-hmm. I think it works for the most part. Yeah. But yes, I would actually say that it was a difference on those episodes we talked about at the beginning. Felt like a film. Yeah. And then those one-offs felt like TV. Right. Now, you know, one thing we did not touch on, we should before we wrap it up. Yeah. I mean, you had this underground Mandalorian group, mm-hmm. which definitely had that thing where they weren't always happy with him, but they will always have his back. Which, by the way, episode three, Flight Mandalorians, my God. <laughs> that scene that was, was amazing. insane. <laughs> I think Fa- I actually cheered. My wife yeah. was like, what is happening downstairs? And Favreau does the voice of the one, the heavy artillery <laughs> yeah. guy. Um, and then you see this pile of armor in the eighth one. Now... Who piled that? I'm starting to think the armorer did that because it seems like she... Mo- I don't think she'll stay there forever, but I think it was, I have to melt this down. We have to save it, preserve it, use it for the future generation. So I think there's a hope there. I'm wondering who is left? Right. Where did they go? Will we see them again? I think we will. I think we will. And I think that's another, again, the thing of kind of what we're talking... 
so much yeah. good stuff set up and asking what is going to happen next. Yes, but at least they answered why there was an ice cream maker. <laughs> yeah, yeah in, thankfully. In, in We've been wondering that for years. I love that. What was the cheap prop? It was like that guy that was running out of Bespin looked like he was carrying an ice cream maker in Empire Strike Back. And then what do you see? You see Werner Herzog show up, drop this thing, open it. <laughs> it's a container safe with a whole bunch of Vescor. So now it's canon. It's a private little bank. Um, store your passport in it at home. So just exactly. go, get, go to Target, get yourself an ice cream maker. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, I think that does it for now. We'll pick yeah. this up with this episode two. Cover the episodes we didn't talk about, and then all the stuff we totally forgot to mention in this yeah. one. Yeah. Because I'm sure there's plenty. There's, I'm sure a lot. There's plenty, right? So until next time, be kind. And please rewind. <laughs>